part of the key to a really like what we would call a dream marriage is choosing to see the good, choosing to focus on the good, choosing to speak the good. And that's where we get this boundary of we're going to speak words of life. You're listening to the Dream Marriage Podcast with Brian and Allison Dahlke. Most married people probably wouldn't say their marriage is a dream. Many would even say it's a nightmare. But with the right priorities and a unified vision, you and your spouse truly can have the dream marriage. Well, welcome back to the Dream Marriage Podcast. I'm Allison and this is my husband, Brian. Hey, guys. Last week we were talking, we started basically a little series on boundaries. We talked about boundaries in our marriage with the opposite sex. What's that look like? What, where do we put those boundary lines that create safety and freedom for our marriage? And today we're going to talk about some boundaries around the words that we speak to others about our spouse. Yep. So we, we spend a lot of time at our retreats talking about words and how powerful words are. I mean, the Bible tells us that our words have the power of life and death. And one of the values in our family, one of the words that is really important to us is the word life. And one of our, one of the ways we discipline, one of the ways we speak to each other is that we speak words of life. Yeah. So this even goes back to like when our kids get in trouble or they're not being kind to each other, instead of saying, we don't say that. Instead, we say, hey, we speak words of life. Like, what do you have positive to say instead of focusing on the negative? And so this we speak words of life is the boundary about what we say to others about our spouse for us. Right. Well, and it's just a building block of trust. Like we talked last week about building blocks of trust and all of these boundaries, they're not limitations. Mm-hmm. They're actually just the the boundaries that your marriage can grow and flourish in. But one of the examples as Allie and I were preparing for this episode was we live in a small town mm-hmm. where everybody knows everybody and it, a village, <laughs> a village. Yeah. We met a British woman on vacation recently that said, your village only has 1300 people. That's <laughs> such a small village. Um, it's a town to us if you live in America, but yes, we, these building blocks of trust are so necessary and it's something that I don't think a lot of people even realize. Like I know in our small town, I'll go up to somebody, you know, I had just seen their wife at the store or whatever. I was like, Oh yeah, I just saw your wife. And then they'll say, Oh, Oh, what'd she tell you? You know, with negative connotation, mm-hmm. I don't ever approach a conversation when someone says, Oh, I just talked to your wife. My first thoughts never, Oh crap. wonder what she said about me. Mm. And I can't say that was always true, Yeah, but it's true now. And it's so f- freeing. Like I, right. it just saves me from so much negative thought about assuming you might have said something bad about me. Right. It just, and I'm, I'm flawed. Like I'm far from perfect. Trust me. We've got 19 projects around our house that are unfinished right now that I'm working on, but I don't worry about her saying that. Right. Yeah. And I think that just back to what you said, it does, it goes back to there's just trust built there, right? It's just, we talked last week about that safety, those boundary lines of safety that just create, that's, that's how we thrive, right? In a healthy environment. And yeah, same for me when I know that anything that you're going to say to anyone about me is only going to be positive and words of life. There's so much freedom in that. But I think we have to 
talk about this is not natural. No. And we have not always been good at this. We both have had our days and times, years, I'm sure, of nagging and complaining about our spouse. And not always with negative intention. Right. But a lot of times just because you got to vent, right? Right. When you mess up, you do something, upset me, whatever, you know, you got to have a place to vent, whether that's your friends or, you know, your mom or dad or your siblings or wherever that is. Most people need a place to vent. And that's why that's seemingly justified mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. I mean, I was complaining about her, but yeah, got to vent to somebody. Right. And I think that's what our culture says. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I remember to the last time that this really, I, I mean, I do. I remember the last big example of this for either one of us, because we've gotten so much better about, because we have this boundary, we speak words of life. But before that, and maybe this was even in the process of kind of... I think it was kind of in the process of... Which made it worse. Because again, worse. this isn't something we thought we were doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Like everybody just talks bad about their spouse sometimes. But we, we host Thanksgiving most years at our home and we... Brian's whole family, he's one of seven kids, whole family. So it's a, it is a production. It's a big Thanksgiving. Yeah. They were all at the house and I and was... they all have kids. So we'll paint them a picture. I think there were 50 ish people Mm -hmm. at our house that day. Mm -hmm. So lots of people, lots of kids. But I was standing around with my sister-in-laws and I don't remember specifically what I said, but it was just something like I was complaining about you just openly to them. And it was probably something like you hadn't finished some project, like, right. I'm known for that. (laughs) Might've been. And I was just, it was nagging. Like that's what it is. And you overheard me. Well, yeah. So I had walked up, we had this center Island at our old house, this big center Island. And I'd kind of walked up behind her and I I think y'all were putting out, doing the final like prep stuff for the Mm -hmm. meal. And I just heard her complaining about me to them. And I remember one of my sisters looking at me and kind of going wide eyed, like, Oh, he's right behind you. You probably shouldn't be saying that. And it just felt like in this instance, which we'll talk about this, but when it's to your family, you know, we, we all have this innate desire to want to, for our families especially, but the people closest to us to have a positive outlook about us, you know, that we're better than we used to be, that we're on the right track, like all of those things. And in my family, you know, I had four sisters, you know, we're, we're all grown now. Everybody's great. You know, so many things are good, but for most of my life, I was trying to prove myself mm-hmm. to them as being worthy or being enough or whatever it might look like. Right. And I'm looking at my life now. I'm finally at a place where, you know, I've got a beautiful wife, great kids, a nice house, you know, quote unquote. I think we talked about another episode, the American dream, right? Right. Um, But in that moment, I was just, I felt like a 10 year old again, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and none of my sisters looking at me with approval. And I just thought, what the heck? Like, I remember, would you do that? I remember the hurt in your eyes, like that what I said actually hurt you, you know? Yeah. Like, how did you feel in that moment? Well, just like that. Like, I felt like a 10 year old kid that his sisters didn't approve and, you know, but different even because the betrayal came from the one that's closest to me, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and don't hear what I'm not saying. Like this wasn't this, you know, I didn't run off and cry and find a counselor and it wasn't that kind of earth shattering moment. But I just remember in that moment, you know, when we have 
slaved for a couple of days over food and cleaning the house and prepping our property and all of that for this onslaught of people coming. And I've, you know, hadn't gotten much sleep and I'm exhausted doing all of this for all of these people. And so many of these people I'm close to are standing around agreeing that I'm not enough Mm. in whatever way you were talking about. Again, it's pretty seemingly unimportant now, but I just remember having that moment. And then I pulled you aside Mm -hmm. after we didn't make a scene or anything, but I said, Hey, when you were, when you were saying those things, like it, it didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And I remember, this is what I remember most about it. I just remember the like pain in your eyes that you had hurt me Mm -hmm. without really even, you were just having casual conversation. I'm sure all my sisters were complaining about my brother-in-law's you know, in some effect. And so it was more of a community building each other up through sorrow. I don't know what you want to call (laughs) it, but whatever it was, it probably wasn't, didn't seem like it was a big deal. Right. But when you saw that it hurt me, you were like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Because you don't ever want to hurt your spouse that way, but that's the power of our words. Yeah. Right. Because if I say those things, the assumption is that I believe those things to be true right? That I am disappointed or I am frustrated. And while those things might actually be true, like I might be frustrated that things aren't done or whatever I was complaining about, it's not something that there, there was no instance in that situation where it would have been helpful. Yeah. Or necessary. Or necessary. Right. Right. Like if I really am frustrated about something, that's a conversation I can have with you. Yeah. Because then we can work towards, oh, okay, well, I didn't know, I didn't realize you were frustrated about that, whatever, but it does nothing at all if I vent that out to your family, except make you feel awful about it, right? Yeah. And, and then it paints you in a bad light to them when really that's not the full story, right? right? Well, and in this case, again, I wish we remembered more details about it. I know, it, I do too. I really don't I just remember my feeling was that it was an unjustified criticism. Right. And it could have, I mean, that was my opinion of it. It could have very well been justified in your mind. Mm-hmm. But even if it was or wasn't, it's just not necessary. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to go finish that project because I heard you complaining about it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, that's more of a come to me like, hey, I really want us to get this thing finished. Well, and I might be going a little off script here, but... I it's also one of those things sometimes that I know for me has happened in the past where, well, everybody else is talking about this. So I should probably put in my two cents about whatever's going on with me. But again, even if I'm standing in a, even if I'm having conversation with other women about their spouses, go back to like, is that edifying? Is that building up? Is that life? No. Like what's the point? Right. And you know, guys do this a lot. Yeah. And I'll speak for myself and the the men out there, but guys do this in a way I think to, we'll call it like to build trust Okay, or to find common ground with others. You know, you'll hear yeah. guys say, oh, I better, I better get home or my wife's going to complain. Oh yeah, mine too. I better. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's offhanded comments just to build that trust with each other. Like camaraderie, like yeah, there's camaraderie. a shared experience of right. our women nagging us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it happens all the time. Yeah. Like it may be daily. If you're around enough other men, you will hear them say, well, our, married men, you mm-hmm. hear them say, all right, well, all right, I better get back to this or back to that. Otherwise my wife's going to be on my butt about this or that. And mm-hmm. again, not necessary, mm-hmm. but what we don't realize is it's actually harmful. Yeah. How so? So when, you know, let's say I'm talking to 
you know, again, guys, we live in a small town, so we run in a lot of the same circles with a lot of the same people. And if I'm to make some offhanded comments about, you know, like, let's say I'm having a conversation, which I'm known to do a long time sometimes, like I'm a talker. And let's say I'm talking to somebody and to get away from the conversation, I say, okay, all right, well, I better head out of here. My wife's going to throw a fit or, you know, something like, wow, yeah, my wife drives me crazy sometimes about this or about that. That person now has a negative outlook about something about you Mm -hmm. that's just not fair. Yeah. Because like I said, I might've just been using it as an excuse to get out of a conversation Yeah, or there might be things you do drive me crazy about sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you know what most of those are because right. we talk about them. But it doesn't help them at all to know that, to carry that burden at mm-hmm. all. And then it paints you in a negative light. So mm-hmm. then next time they see you, they're thinking, you know, that's probably top of mind because that's the last thing they heard about you was, you know, you drive me crazy. Well, it seems like that's a natural, not that you drive me crazy part, but like the, I got to get out of here so my my wife didn't, you know my wife doesn't get on to me. Like, Oh, that's every day. Like that's an excuse to get out of a conversation or to leave. Like what's an alternative to that? Because I feel like men do that a lot. No, they do, but no one's going to stop you if you just say, okay, good talking to you. I got to go. Yeah. Like it's It's the the same. same. It's the same thing. Yeah. And so, and I know there's this under, there's almost this unconscious, if you have an excuse then it makes it okay. Right. Because you don't want this person to feel like you just don't want to talk anymore. But you could also just say, hey, oh man, I didn't realize what time it is. I've got to go. I've got some other things I've got to do. Yeah. Same thing. Right. And you're not trying to build that camaraderie off of your spouse, off of their back, off of their, Mm. you know, potential emotional future hurt for whatever reason. It's interesting to me how sort of innate this is. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know that it's necessarily taught per se, but I think it's so acceptable in our culture to, to just cry about your spouse. I was going to say a bad word. I don't know if I can say that. Yeah. Don't (laughs) say that. Keep it clean. Yeah. You know, but to whine about your spouse to anybody that it's fine. Right. But like, whoever said that was fine. Yeah. And any married person will tell you there are good and bad Days, moments, hours. For sure. That's unspoken. Yeah. We know that. But when you vent that out, it does two things. One, like I just said, it, it gives other people a negative perspective on your spouse. Right. But then two, it it grows something inside of you, a resentment mm-hmm. or, you know, just kind of puts a chip on your shoulder about whatever that is. And you might not realize it, but that's exactly what it does. Yeah. Because words do have that power. Yeah. So- Oh, I cut you off. Go ahead. Well, I was just say if you're if you're constantly speaking good mm-hmm. about something, mm-hmm. it's a scientific fact that mm-hmm. you will have a positive outlook on that. Yeah. Whether it's a situation, whether it's a person, whether it's an event, when you're speaking negative, the exact opposite happens. Yeah. And so, you know, people talk about you can. Uh, it's probably this will be in another episode, but I had a conversation with a guy one time about how. Um, I can't go into too many details, but basically he, he was very attracted to attractive women. And so we started talking and he used the example of, you know, I'm aware my wife's not the most beautiful woman in the world, but I wish I was more attracted to her. And I said, you need to tell your wife every day. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. 
He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, she, he's like, she'll laugh at me. She won't. I go, no, I've done this. And we didn't plan on talking about this at all, but I've done this, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I started practicing this, because I, at one point in our marriage early on was guilty of the same thing. Like I'd see a pretty girl walk by, boom, my eyes would go to it. Mm-hmm. And it made you feel less than. Right. Because I was looking at other women. Yeah. And. I don't know if it's something I read or heard or just started doing, but every day I started telling her, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And the first probably month she would go stop it or whatever, or, but then she started to receive it Mm -hmm. and started to smile and then give me a hug or, you know, say, I love you so much or whatever. But I saw you start to turn and it truly is like, she still gets, you know, it gets on her nerves when she wakes up and her hair's a mess and all that. And I say, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And she'll go, Ugh, okay. You know, and she's, but you light up in a different way than mm-hmm. you did when I first started. And I really do think it's, it's changed the way that I look at you. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. After saying that for so long, you know, you brought up the point when we choose to see the good, that it does change our perception of that person. Like, do you think that that really has changed the way you view me? Oh, hundred percent. The the flip side of that too is our words have so much power and can build so much confidence in someone, right? So as my confidence builds, because my husband's telling me I'm the most beautiful woman in the world, even though in the beginning, I know he's full of crap, like, hello, have you seen TV? Or like, I am not, you know. Well, but that's part of the problem too. We, what is perfection? Right. What is beauty? Like it's all in the eye of the beholder. But, but when I have my man telling me every single day that I'm beautiful, that I'm enough, that he's, that I'm everything that he needs, even though initially I may not believe that the more I hear it, the more I believe it. And the more confidence it builds in me, as I become more confident, I probably become actually more attractive. Oh, hundred percent. Right. Yep. Like, so it's just interesting. We didn't plan on talking about know, any of that, but it's, it's kind of a side story, but it's a great example of, yeah our words have so much power yeah. and we're, there's a completely, well, we'll talk about it now, but we're going to talk about the things we do say and the things we don't say, but we'll get into that here in a minute. Yeah. So let's talk about things we don't say about our spouse to other people. Yes. So we would never say like, I'm never going to say anything negative to anybody about now there's, we'll get to an exception in a minute, but I'm not going to say anything negative about Brian to anybody else. Well, and that sounds extreme probably to some people listening, like, wait, you're expecting me to never have a critical word about my spouse to other people. That's impossible. Right. It's not. No, I know it's not. I know there are. And and we probably would have said that. Yeah. At one point in our marriage. Yeah. Because how am I ever going to have a conversation with anybody and, and something negative not come up like that? In, especially in the world we live in where it thrives on negativity, mm-hmm. you know, Drama. in the media, yeah. they literally there's a, there's a saying in the media, which babe, I'm sure you know this, but if it bleeds, bleeds it, it leads. Yeah. yeah. And so they want the most negative, heart wrenching, awful things to lead in the news. Cause that's what sells and advertisements. And so how am I gonna, how am I going to do that? There's no way that, Again, I'm not saying that to you. Yeah. That's what people are thinking because it's what we thought. Yeah. But let's talk about how we practice that. Well, what do you mean? Well, what are the rules around it? And then we can talk about each one. So, well, I'll start. So we don't say critical things to other people about our spouse or criticizing our spouse to others. And the reason we don't do that now, Ali did mention there is one exception and I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it now. Yeah. The exception would be if you have a mentor yeah. or a therapist or a counselor or mm-hmm. a pastor or a clergyman, someone that 
that is their role. Yes. Like where they're going to help you have a solution to that, like yes. find a solution to that, not just they're there to just listen to you nag. Right. Right. Yeah. But someone that's going to offer a solution right. to this critical thing mm-hmm. and, and also is a professional in the sense that they understand there's two sides to every story. Right. And, and then hopefully I would add to that, that it's not somebody that only knows one of the spouses, mm-hmm. somebody that has a better context of the big picture. And, and yes, in that instance, if it's a mentor or if it's a, a pastor or something, if there is something you need to bring up, like, Hey, this has been a conflict, mm-hmm. you know, how, what can we do to move forward and find a solution? Right. One of the things that's interesting is you, we were looking at an article, we were just kind of doing some research on this before we started this podcast. And you found an article that said there's two exceptions that the mentor counselor therapist was one, right. but that another one would be a, a tr- best friend, a trusted friend. Yeah. Well, cause it, it, the article literally said, you know, I'm not asking you to go through your life and not ever complain about your spouse. We all need that trusted friend mm-hmm. that we can vent to. But tell me why that's not okay. Well, so as we talked through this, we, we started using examples of friends that we have in our life. Right. And, and we're very fortunate. We have some incredible people around us that are mentors mm-hmm. and pastors and all of those. So Allie brought up one example of a good friend of hers. And she was like, you know, I would never go to her and say, you know, Brian's doing this or this. And I said, well, but yeah, but if you did, she would point you back to me. Because that's how they do things and that's right. how we do things. And so we were like, oh, okay, well, that is an example. But that's a mentor conversation. Right. So, and and if you do have that friend where you can slide in and out of the mentor role mm-hmm. back into the friendship, then that might be different. But that wasn't how it was described in what we read. It was just right. like, you need a place to vent. Yeah. And we believe that if you, if you have really good pre and post communication with your spouse constantly, mm-hmm. Most of these things aren't going unresolved for very long. Mm-hmm. And if they are, you need to seek out a mentor, a pastor, a counselor to walk you through those things. Right. And so, it, you know, if you find yourself day to day to day struggling with things that your spouse is doing and you just feel like you're going to explode, well, you need to seek that help out mm-hmm. because going to a friend, putting all of that on them mm-hmm. isn't fruitful. Well, you're actually, what you're doing is you're asking your friend to side with you. And carry the burden with you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're not going to a, fr- a, tr- a trusted quote unquote friend to, for them to tell you you're wrong. Right. You know, like that's most of the time not going to happen. And so that's why I just, there's just no fruit there. Like there's just not. Yeah. So what are some of the other things like that we just don't say about our spouse to other people? So we don't ever make, and this kind of, all of these kind of coincide with the same, you know, mm-hmm. the negativity, the criticism. But one thing we do not do is we don't make extreme statements. Yeah. And extreme statements are simply that very extreme. So she always mm-hmm. does this or, or she never right. does this. And rarely are they ever in a positive mm-hmm. way. So, you know. Uh, I don't even know of an example that I would be saying something positive with an extreme statement because then it seems unreal. Like if I'm like, Oh yeah. my gosh, she always, well, I almost said something. You were going to say, something <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> let's just say when you say that people are gonna be like, whatever, that's not, that's real. not real. But when you say it in a negative context, which is how it usually is like, mm-hmm. Oh, she never does that. Mm-hmm. Or gosh, she's always late mm-hmm. or anything like that. One, that's not true. 
Right. Like it, it's never true in anything. Like we, that's one thing we tell our kids all the time. We don't, we don't deal in extreme statements. You know, when you run in and say, Oh, he's doing that again. He never, you know, gives me that or he never shares. Not true. And in your marriage, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. She's not always late. You know, there, it's so useless. If I, if I'm waiting on her at the restaurant and our regular waitress comes up and goes, Oh, she late again for me to look at her and go, Oh yeah, she's always late. Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason for that. You know, yeah. all you have to say is, yeah, she got hung up for a minute. She'll be here in a few minutes. Yeah. And that, that paints them in a lot more positive light yeah. than anything else you could have said. And, and also not necessary. Yeah. You know, for me to tell this waitress, you're always late. Doesn't help anybody. So, you know, we talked in the beginning about this is, it's, it's kind of a natural instinct for most people to complain about yeah. their spouse. How do you then make the shift into what you choose to say being positive about your, like, how do I make that shift mentally and say, okay, I, I don't, I recognize that I've done that in the past. How do, like, what boundaries can I put around words that I do want to say? Well, I think the, the best way to fix yourself from saying negative is to do a 180 yeah. and start to think I'm going to speak positive. Mm-hmm. And so our kind of our boundaries around the things we say positive is, or the good things we say about our spouse and the life giving things we say are, we always want to praise our spouse mm-hmm. publicly. So now again, even as I say that statement, because of past conversations I've had with people about this, I'm hearing someone say, you can't always do that. You can't always praise your spouse. Well, this kind of goes back to that rule. If you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Because again, there's supposed to be this trust in your marriage where when you're with them and especially when you're not with them, they trust you. They trust the things you're saying, the things you're doing, the boundaries you have up. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have something to praise your spouse about that comes natural in conversation, don't just don't say anything. It's it's that old saying. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's right. And so I think the other main thing, and and these are simple, like the two that we do say, we praise our spouse publicly Mm -hmm. and then we speak words of life about our spouse. Yeah. And so the example I think of recently, we had a, um, I'm, I'm on a school board and we had an administrator at our school come in and they were new and I had not met their wife yet, Mm -hmm. but he said so many great things. Like every time we talked about, you know, he had met my wife and, um, he, he was praising that she seemed great. And he was like, yeah, I can't wait till you guys meet my wife. And, you know, she's going to love you guys. And, you know, she's more than I ever deserved. You know, I, I hooked her and tricked her into getting married to me. Ha ha ha. You know, some self deprecating, but he was so positive about her. Yeah. And when I first met her, she embodied everything he had said, but yeah. because I had all of those positive things in my head about what he had said, I, I really didn't have a lot of questions for her. Cause I already knew they had a I could tell they had a really strong marriage. Yeah. And so I just told her, you know, I've heard so many good things about you. And she just kind of smiled and lit up and said, well, you know, hopefully they're true. Ha ha ha. But when you hear that from somebody, Mm -hmm. like I've heard a lot of good things about you, it completely changes the direction of that conversation because there's like an endearment there. Well, and it also changes the way you see your spouse. If I then know that you've been saying all these great things to me, or these things about me to yeah. other people. Yeah. I mean, and I know that, you know, I'm not perfect. Right. 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 I, I'm aware of my flaws. Yeah. I know you're aware of them and you're choosing to speak these incredible things about me. That just endears me to you. Right. Even more. Right. Right. As my spouse. Yeah. And, and it protects you. 
you know, it insulates you from criticism that's maybe sometimes not deserved also. Mm -hmm. So just knowing that your spouse is either saying good or Mm. nothing, you know, on those days. And and sometimes it doesn't come up in conversation. Like you might have 10 conversations with someone and not ever bring me up yeah, because y'all are talking about other things, business things or things in our city or whatever. But when spouses do come up Mm -hmm. that you're going to keep it positive. And I will say, I'll add to this. I was in a conversation recently where a couple men were talking about how bad their wives were at cooking or they had recently cooked something that was not great or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they kind of looked to me to confirm it that I've experienced the same thing. And so they were like, yeah, you're probably, I'm trying to remember how he said it, but he brought me into the conversation. I was standing, you know, two feet away and he said, you probably know what we're talking about, huh? And I just, I don't, I probably kind of killed the conversation, but I go, no, my, my wife's actually a really good cook. And that was it. And yeah. so then they just kind of turned back to each other and went on to complain about some Way other to things. kill the camaraderie, babe. Right. But again, yeah, not necessary. Yeah. You know? And so if, and you are a good cook and right. yeah, Thanks, you've babe. screwed a few things up in the past. For sure. You've almost broken my teeth yes. on a couple meals, but yeah. that it doesn't matter. Yeah. And by me saying something negative about your cooking doesn't endear me really anymore to them. Right. And it's just not necessary. Mm-hmm. So- I hope if, if nothing else, that's what you guys are hearing is that one, this isn't impossible Two, it's probably something most of you listening are, are guilty of at times, just like we were before we really realized this is a, something that is causing unnecessary conflict. I think if you just even kind of make a commitment to yourself to become conscious, we have to wake our minds up because what our minds do naturally is they create a pathway of something that is said repeatedly or a way that we feel and our, our brains are wired for survival. They like the path of least resistance. And so if we've continued to drive this road and it's rutted out, it's hard to get out of the rut. Yeah. You have to make a conscious effort to say, oh, shoot, I just realized, like, I said something negative about my spouse. I didn't need to. It, it might really be pretty habitual at this point because your brain is used to doing it. Yeah. And so becoming conscious, waking your mind up to that and saying, okay, how can I then replace the negative thing I said? What's something positive I can say? Right. It's just like choosing gratitude, right? Like we, we get to choose to be grateful for things as opposed to focusing on negative things. And it right. literally changes the way that we see the world. Yeah. And, and the more you practice this, I, we, we hadn't talked about saying this, but in our life, it's help us put guardrails up as to who we get close to Yeah. and who we let in. I mean, we have, we have friends that are very negative often about their spouses publicly, you know, might even call them out on Facebook sometimes. And you're just like, gosh, that's not okay. And some of them we've tried to go to and and gently have that conversation. But like Allison said, it's so ingrained in some people that it's, I mean, she went full brain science on you. What she was talking about is actually very true, but the only way you can combat that is to do a 180 mm-hmm. and really try to replace that negativity with positive. Mm-hmm. And and again, I'm sure there's someone listening that's saying, I don't know that I can do that. I promise you, you can. Mm-hmm. We were both at a place where, you know, I was in a, a very man-centered industry. Allison was in a very women-centered industry, and they were set up for us to just... Yeah, that just kind of cultivates that, yeah, you know, environment to... spouse-punching bag right. kind of environment. Mm-hmm. And in the name of camaraderie or relationship building or whatever, but when we started to practice this the other way, it helped our marriage so much and just the trust and the strength 
that we had in our marriage. Yeah. I think too, you know, the Bible says so much about the words that we say, and I'm not going to read you all these verses, but like Ephesians talks about, let no corrupt word come from your mouth. First Thessalonians five talks about comforting and edifying each other through our speech, building each other up. Right. And even in Hebrews 10, I love Hebrews 10, 24, it talks about stirring each other up to good works. Yeah. Well, I can't stir you up to good works if I'm complaining about you. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it's just, I think this is just reaffirmation of words have so much power. Right. And it, and it goes back to that assumption that we're going to choose, we're going to choose to assume the best of our spouse. Yeah. Even in our, you, you know, your spouse, you should know your spouse better than anybody else does. And so you do know their flaws and their imperfections. But I think part of the key to a really like what we would call a dream marriage is choosing to see the good, yeah. choosing to focus on the good, choosing to speak the good. And that's where we get this boundary of we're going to speak words of life. Yep. Well, and it's kind of a silly analogy, but your garden grows where you feed it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if, if we are feeding into the positive, yeah, that's going to grow in your marriage. Yeah. And so if you look at your marriage and you go, wow, there are some negative things and there's things that I think he's probably said about me or she's said about me or whatever. If you start to choose to see the good and speak the good, mm-hmm. it really will grow your marriage in that way and in a positive direction, much less all the other good that comes from it. But I think just the trust you'll have in each other grows so much. So I think this is one of those things that too, interestingly enough, it only takes one person to change. Right. Right. And I, it's so, there's a lot of things I think in your marriage that there has to be collaboration. There has to be conflict resolution. You have to be able to come to each other and have conversations. This is one of those things that you as one person can make a decision today. I'm not going to speak negatively. I'm not going to use extreme statements. I'm not going to talk about my spouse to other people. I'm going to choose to assume the best, say the best, speak words of life. Yeah. But so I think that's encouraging, but what's, if you were to sit with your spouse though, and you wanted to have this conversation and say, or someone's listening and they're going, okay, how do I, how do I even start this conversation? Yeah. Right? Cause like I said, I don't think that you necessarily have to, I think you can make a change and you'll start to see the fruit of that. Right. But ultimately it's always better if you're m- more open in your communication. But if you were to sit with your spouse and say, how do we start doing this? Because maybe you've heard some things they've said. Yeah. Right. How can we start that conversation without it being about you have done all these bad things and made me feel this way? Well, there's a couple ways. One, I think if, if there's a, if you're listening right now and there's a particular instance you're thinking of Mm -hmm. recently or, you know, in recent history where you're still kind of upset about it, like you, you know, your spouse said something, either you overheard them or someone told you or whatever the case might be. If there's something that you can think of right now that is a particular instance what I would do is, is, you know, ask my spouse if we can sit down and talk, edify them at the beginning of it and just say, Hey, you know, I trust you. You mm-hmm. know, I love you. And then lead into what Allison and I call the, when you say blank, it makes me feel blank. Mm-hmm. And this is making it about a thing mm-hmm. about an instance. It's not personally attacking the person, mm-hmm. but just sitting them down and saying, Hey, you know, the other day you said this, this, and this to this person. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel 
blank. It made me feel worthless. It made me feel betrayed. It mm-hmm. made me feel, you know, fill in the blank. You know what it made you feel. And then just talk to them about, you know, I don't ever want to do that to you. And I've been guilty of it too. Like mm-hmm. I've said things that I'm sure have hurt you. And and I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And then just follow it up with a, I'm committing to you. Mm-hmm. So it can't be a, I need you to commit to me. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a, I'm committing to you that moving forward from right now, I am going to start the best of my ability speaking words of life over you mm-hmm. and to other people about you. Mm-hmm. And so I think you start there, but it's got to be, like you said, one person can do this, but I also think when both are aware of it, each need to take the lead on their own mm-hmm. and then just see the positive fruit that comes out of it. Yeah, and this practice is a conflict resolution tactic and and tool that you can use. And we're going to talk a lot more in future episodes about conflict resolution and about listening, about listening to understand and not listening to defend. And when you use these two statements, when you say this, it makes me feel this, it allows a little bit more naturally for the person on the other side to attempt to empathize with you, to attempt to understand how you're feeling as opposed to immediately going to defense. Well, I didn't mean that. Yeah. So this is a practice that just takes time and it takes, you know, trust and empathy and being able to sit with someone and say, I'm, I'm not mad. I just want you to understand how I feel when you say this, Right. you know, but it, again, it makes it about the instance. It makes it about about what was time when Mm -hmm. they said it, not about them as a person. Right. And so, because that's the thing, your, your spouse is a person just like you are. They're not perfect, just like you aren't. And when you point these things out, it can easily slide into feeling personally attacked as opposed to, I made a mistake. Well, I could also go to you and say, you're a jerk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was, that's a personal attack. That's a personal attack. And I'm going to put a defense up immediately and I'm probably going to come back with, yeah, well, you're a, you know, whatever. Well, I, cause I could just say, you said this about me. You're such a bleep, right? Yeah. Because, and, and legitimately I might have feelings that make me want to say those things, but what am I actually feeling? I'm feeling hurt or I'm feeling you know, disappointed that, that that's how you, that those are the words you chose to speak over me. So it, it, a lot of it too is emotional maturity, being able to say, how do I actually feel? Why do I feel this way? Right. Not what do I think about you? Right. But being able to communicate. So this is just a communication tool. And oftentimes I think this conversation is best had when you're cooled down. For sure. You know, in those moments, those heated moments, aren't a good time to bring up something like, yeah, well, I heard the other day you said this and this and mm-hmm. this because it, that there's no healing that's going to come from that. It's just adding more logs to the, the raging fire yeah. inside you. Yeah. So I do think if I would say anything else about that, I think it needs to be a time when you, you've stepped away from it enough mm-hmm. that you can really look at it as an instance mm-hmm. and assume the best on your spouse in that moment, even though you were hurt or betrayed. Well, and if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, okay, yeah, we do, we both do this. We're both, you know, have a habit of talking neg- negatively about each other to other people, we'll just sit down and have this conversation and say, gosh, I know that we do this. And really when I think about it, when you say that about me to other people, this is how I feel and let your spouse say the same. And then that's where you can say, okay, what do we want to, what do we want to say instead? Yeah. Right. Like those, cause that's the other thing is those things you're saying might be true. 
They probably are to a point. However, they're not building up. They're not edifying. They're not moving people on towards anything good. You're just complaining without any source of solution. So when you choose to see and say the good, when you choose to speak words of life, I think that's when you really start to see a shift in those building blocks of trust, just like you talked about in the beginning. Yeah. And when you look at it, we always talk about the 30,000 foot view, like from, you know, we're talking about like from an airplane down to earth. But when you look at it, I'm sure we all, I know we do. I'm sure you guys have people around you that you really like being around because they're positive and they say good things and they Mm -hmm. talk about their spouse highly and they talk about their kids, kids highly, not an unrealistic, they're always bragging about having the honor student kind of thing, but just that they're positive. Mm -hmm. And those are the kind of people that are magnetic. Those are the kind of people that have more influence. Mm -hmm. And by practicing this, by speaking positively about your spouse and, and even branching this out into about your kids and about your friends and, you know, just being a more positive person in general towards others, it's magnetic. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll grow your circle of influence. And then you'll in turn have a more positive influence because you'll be helping more people in that way. And yeah. so, well, I think that it's a good conversation and I think it's just bringing to light something that maybe you weren't even aware of that you do. And so I think just like I said earlier, awakening to being aware of the words you're saying and catching yourself. It's, this is not something I, that you can fix overnight necessarily, but you can make an intention and decide that your goal is to speak words of life yep. and this conversation you can have. So I hope this is helpful when it comes to what are we saying about our spouse to others? Are we building up or are we tearing down? Are we speaking words of life? Um, that you can just start to make that shift and see what it does in your relationship. I think you'll see that it brings tons of joy and peace and also just more intimacy with your spouse as you're choosing to focus on the good. So next week we are going to continue to talk about boundaries as we talk about boundaries around time, Mm. hobbies, activities. Of course, you're going to bring this up right during football season. Time. I'm kidding. <laughs> so I hope that you'll join us. We'd love to hear from you. As always, you can email us at thedreammarriagepodcast at gmail.com. Um, be sure to share this with someone if it was helpful to you. And we look forward to talking to you next week. 